Um, I guess three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. Joining me on the right, Austin Cram. How are you? I'm doing well, Zach. As always, doing well. Glad to be here. It's hot. By the way, it's episode 363. We're like six episodes from the glorious 369. Nice. That'd be fun to say. Uh, it's 115 degrees here in Portland. Uh, outside, of, I live in Vancouver, outside of Portland. Uh, you have no AC. I feel horrible for you. How are you doing? I've got a portable AC. As if people that have been watching our hockey episodes might notice a change in backdrop for me. I've moved into a different room at the house that um, is a little bit cooler, has a portable AC. Um, we're gonna we're gonna push through, but it's absolutely blazing. I learned a new term this week. It's called heat dome. I don't really understand. It's some scientific term that makes Explain. it. Explain. Uh, well, so basically, I'm not a scientist. So everything I'm about to say, take it all with a grain of salt. Basically, there's like high pressure causing heat usually rises, but it's causing it to come down because of pressure above us from somewhere. Then there's desert heat coming from the breeze. Plus, the sun is like the highest part of the year. It's it's the end of June. So the sun is like exactly where it needs to be to produce a maximum amount of heat. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there's some other factor. Um, there's something else. I don't remember. It's just, it's hot as balls. It's awful. Um, my thought today, we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about the two previous series in the NHL. Then we'll move forward and talk about our thoughts, kind of preview the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I guess we should start with the big surprise, which was the Canadians. Uh, you, you, we, were, we were talking over text, and you're like, man, all my predictions keep coming up wrong. But I don't think anybody could have predicted that the Montreal Canadiens would end up beating the Golden Knights, moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals. What are your thoughts on this series? It went six games. Were you as shocked as I was? I was. Do you? Before, I want to interject really quickly. Do yeah. you have some sort of uh, of an email, like a mailbag that people can send you stuff yeah i questions, do uh, people too. send me questions on patreon that's how they so when people send in stuff that's how they do it i would encourage i'm gonna i'm gonna ask your audience to do this for you i would encourage anybody who has like an nhl.com bracket or some sort of equivalent that filled it out in earnest that was serious about them filling it out if you picked montreal to get here please send it to zach i want to see it <laughs> I really honestly i don't care it. if you're on i don't care how you send it send it on instagram Send it somewhere. I don't use Facebook, but you can try it. Find a way to contact me because, yeah, I, I would be curious if anybody did. I, maybe even – I'm sure Montreal fans didn't even expect their team to be here. I mean, there's always going to be the Montreal homers that are, you know, that would pick their team to go all the way. That's what I'm saying. I, I knew I it! You have to qualify it in earnest. Like, you have to be like, I, I really genuinely filled it out because I believe this was going to go this way. If you're one of those people who had Montreal going here and you filled it out in that way, I, I would love to see how the rest <laughs> of your bracket shook out because it could have been glorious or it could have been terrible. But either way – um, Montreal being here is, without a doubt, the biggest surprise of the postseason. It's absurd. Like I said last time we were here, they were a 500 team in the regular season who manages, you know, they've just they've gotten hot at the right time, and what are you going to do? I think you liken them to the, uh, what was it, the 2011 Giants last time we were we were talking, the 2007 Giants, one of those Giants teams that won the Super Bowl, right? Um, yeah, they, they beat the Patriots, and they were massive underdogs, and they were like 7-9. and nine. They, they weren't even a 500 team, or they were 9-7. and seven. They were barely 500 made the playoffs, won the Super Bowl. This is a team that should have not really made the playoffs, right, with Montreal. And we're going, like, I, they made it here somehow. It, well, I mean, making the playoffs, yeah, that's, I mean, they have that record that, you know, it's going to come down to it, and it did for them, um, you know, making the postseason. And who knows if this is an 82-game season, you know, we could be having a much different conversation, I suppose. But 
it's shocking. It baffles the mind. I mean, we saw. It. I, I texted you about it. We saw the the Kings and um, uh, the the Kings team that game eighty one is when is when they made it. That was the twenty eleven twenty twelve L A Kings. They uh, they didn't qualify for the postseason until game eighty one of eighty two, and they were an eight seed. And they go sixteen and four in the postseason. They light it up. Jonathan Quick has an insane postseason. He was their goalie at the time, um, and it's you're seeing a similar thing with Carey Price here, where he's taken over three series now, and they've gotten contributions from the rest of their skaters. Don't get me wrong; they've played great team hockey, but it starts with the man in net. We're seeing some similarities between that Kings team that went all the way and this Montreal team. I think. Well, I almost go back to the Colorado Avalanche, where if if Colorado had beat Vegas. And we had seen Vegas versus the Canadians, or sorry, we'd seen Colorado versus Canadians instead of Vegas versus Montreal. I don't know that Montreal, the Canadians would have beat the Colorado Avalanche either. And so it's kind of this weird amount of circumstances that led us to this moment where now Montreal's the team moving forward rather than one of the other teams that I thought were better. Yeah, you make a good point. I just, it's hard for me to to say Montreal wouldn't have beaten anybody at this point. They keep beating teams mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think they would beat. So. I, you could put them up against like the eighty-one Islanders, and it's like maybe they win. Like who knows? It's you know it they they should have beat they should have lost to all these teams on paper, and they just keep winning. And again, credit them. I'm not trying to discredit their performance because they clearly deserve to be here. They're playing phenomenal hockey, and they deserve everything they've gotten. It's just it baffles the mind when you look at their regular season performance and you look at their record. You don't, you wouldn't think this is a team that makes it all the way here, but here they are. So again, credit to them. Props to them. I hope they finish it off honestly. Well, it makes me wonder a couple things because of the way that the regular season was structured. You had, you only played in your division. And then you look at a team, and I'm going to make a football reference because I always do. Last year, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. And week one to week 17, they were a different team. They got better as the year went on, and they caught fire in the playoffs and made a Super Bowl run. What week was Could it they this got be a shelled team? by New Orleans? Was it week three or oh, four? It was like week four, yeah. They just week got embarrassed. Week three or four, yeah. It was like, and then, and then that's when the media and we. We always make it about football for forty-five seconds during these, but that's just the of way course. it goes. But yeah, yeah. But it's it, the that was when the media and media is different for hockey because it's not as big of a sport. Montreal media is a different thing because we don't see a lot of it here in the United States because they're obviously up in Canada. It's mostly French, which also makes it tough to to follow along with. But <laughs> yeah. Montreal media for the Canadians, it's all they have, so it's like it's everything. So while I wasn't following a ton of Montreal media early in the season. I'm sure that there was plenty of, you know, back and forth about what's wrong here, what's wrong there. And I know that the media was doing it on a national level with the Buccaneers, the example that you make. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a, a, actually a pretty decent comparison. It's a team that, you know, I, I think the Bucks are had a more talented roster than the Canadians do, if you could translate that across sports. But it's still the idea of the point you're making is that it seems like this team has changed from the start of the year to now and even the start of the postseason to now. I mean, this was a team that was down three to one to the Maple Leafs and it wasn't all that surprising and in the course of three weeks a month it's completely shifted well I wonder if that series against Toronto gave them confidence like that there was something clicked in that game five four or five whatever that moment was where they won three in a row they win the series and then move on there had to have been a moment where like wait because I remember I had a moment when I when I played football back in the day where I, I had a game where I just broke every record, literally, passing-wise. And from that point on, I was rolling. And it just took me, once I, I found my stride, I never looked back. And maybe it's a team that once they it clicked for them, they just, because there was, I mean, we were talking in the pre-show about how there were three overtime games, but then game six, they won four to nothing. And it just looked, it was, it was not even a competition. It was really weird how 
uh, I felt like the, uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights just laid down in Game Six. It was really weird. Yeah, so um, of the six games, uh, four of them ended a one-goal game, and three of them ended in overtime. I mean, so you could, you know, the series was pretty close in terms of you know the raw stats, the goals for, the goals against. This is a very close series. Uh, the other, the two games that weren't one-goal games ended four to one, one for Vegas, one for Montreal, in games one and five respectively. In games two, three, four, and six, uh, all one-goal games, and all but game two were overtime games. So this was a very close series most of the time. It was a very High stress, high tension series for most of it, um, but you know that's that's hockey. We've talked about it a lot. We've kind of beat it into the ground. How a couple of things go in a different way, um, you know, can shift things. And the the huge example is um, is the uh, the game game three with with Flurry giving up that awful gimme goal um, with about ninety seconds left in the third period, and that um, you know Vegas won Vegas won the next game in overtime, but. It seemed like there was a shift in, I don't know if it was just in me and in the fans as opposed to, you know, the players, you never know. But it seemed like from there it was, because it was 1-1 going into that game. And you think, okay, Montreal takes game two. They're gonna, you know, Vegas probably doesn't shut them out, right? But I think that general consensus still belongs to Vegas after that game two when it's when it's split. And then you get that overtime game and you, you, Vegas is on the verge of, of going up 2-1. to one with, again, 90 seconds left some odd, and then they give up this awful goal. Tides turn, Montreal wins in overtime, and suddenly it's 2-1 going the other way, and Vegas is, is gripping a little bit. And it's that's how fast things turn in the sport. It felt like unraveling, where you see a team yeah, go, absolutely. oh my gosh, and then you're reeling trying to recover from that horrible loss, and they never did. It was, uh, and that's what happened in round one, too, right? I mean, you've yeah. got Montreal wins the first game of that series, and then... Uh, and then and then Toronto wins three straight, and you're thinking, okay, this is a gentleman sweep in the making, and something clicked that game five, and Montreal since then has not looked back. I would love to talk to a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Like everyone thought, this is our year, it's our chance, and then the other you know big Canadian team, you know Montreal Canadiens, go instead of you to the Stanley Cup Finals. And we always talk, you hear all the time. Canadian teams can't win in the NHL, which is nonsense and stupid. But how I think about how cool it would be if the Montreal Canadiens, this Cinderella story, found a way to win the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, I'd be like, that's unbelievable. And it's not even, and you know, people do this every year. They try to find, especially people that don't like the Canadians, are going to find ways to make this, you know, or I guess will attempt to find ways to make this um, an asterisk championship. They're going to call it a fake title. You know, everybody does that. It's kind of just being yeah. as part of being a sports fan. They're going to say, well, Tavares got hurt in the first game and that changed things. It, you know what? It did. And that's the way that things go. This happens every year in every sport. Guys get hurt. Things break weird. It's the way it goes. But the butterfly effect of that, you know, Tavares injury early, game one of the of, of the postseason, if, if he's healthy, Toronto – probably i'm gonna say probably ends up winning one of those games you know five six or seven i would assume you have to assume that and then we're who knows what happens we're in a completely different thing but the path that montreal has taken going through toronto who even without their captain is still an exceptional team going through winnipeg who i think was the worst team they've played so far but still a formidable opponent and got a great goaltender so at, you know you can't say too much about winnipeg you can't try to discount them too much and then vegas who was a lot of people's favorite to win it all when this thing first started and now tampa who you know coming off of a title has a crazy loaded roster this is an insane path montreal's had to go through and if they do manage to to pull it off 
the resume is outrageous. This is one of the the most improbable, unlikely, and insane titles in the last you know however many decades. I would imagine this is it's just crazy what they've done. Well, again, I can't help but make another comparison to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the Buccaneers beat Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, yep. and Patrick Mahomes on their way to winning a title. If yeah. Montreal did that, it'd be a similar like you beat who and who. And who? And then got here and won a title. It's just an improbable, an improbable, unbelievable story. It is, especially for 100%. a wild card team. Yeah, this is. I mean, this again. This is. It can't be. Can't be stated enough that this is a team that you really that shouldn't didn't you know was so close to not making it in. I mean, they were only four points up on Calgary for that final fourth um, playoff spot in the North. And four points is kind of a lot, but it's it's two wins. I mean, it's not you know it's not that different in terms of point percentage. They were a team that was on the brink up until the last couple of weeks of the season, or even sooner of of not making it. Um, you know, a minus nine goal differential in the regular season, which is not abhorrent, but it's not good. Like you got scored on more than you scored in the regular season, so that's not a team you'd think of as a playoff team. But yeah. but here they are. I feel weird because, full transparency, I always try to tell the audience exactly what's going on behind the scenes. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, we only have three big topics today because, we you know, we have we have two series and we'll preview the next one. As In the past, we've had so many games to talk yeah. about and so many series to talk about. So I'm like, we're only 12 minutes in, but it's like, I guess, is that all we have to say? Because it's just shock. And then I guess we'll talk about the future moving forward with the Stanley Cup Finals. But are there, is there anything else you want to add about this series before we move on to the Lightning and Islanders? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what we saw on the ice, I mean, I think we, you know, I, and we're talking a lot about the the story, and I think that's important to talk about because that's yeah. what's gonna that's what's gonna live on. But in terms of actually what happened on the ice, I think Vegas just had a tough time um, keeping up with the tenacity, the pace of play uh, that Montreal threw at them. Cole Caulfield's having a coming out party um, that that rivals many the last you know the last several seasons in the playoffs. He's this young kid, he's coming alive. Um, he's got what is it, nine goals in the postseason now? I want to say something like that. He's he's playing very very well, and they've got guys Nick Suzuki. That's a, that actually that's that's worth bringing up. So Nick Suzuki was tra- was uh, was actually a part of the Vegas system. He was a, a minor leaguer. He was one of their draft picks, and he was sent to Montreal when Montreal uh, traded away Max Pacioretty to Vegas, and uh, Max Pacioretty now one of Vegas's. Uh, best players this like veteran goal scorer really great player really good guy too mm. um kind of unrelated but he's he's uh made some he's easy to root for he's incredibly easy to root for family man the uh, the nhl used to do this road to the winter classic type thing and really quickly the winter classic is this game played on uh, new year's day every year it's between two teams and it's an outdoor game so i love it it's one of the only hockey games i watched as a kid growing up because it's such a cool mm-hmm. event yeah and the nhl used to put on this thing i think it was on hbo or showtime uh, several years back where it was like an uncensored like behind the scenes lead up for the two teams playing from their seasons to this point you know look locker room stuff and who's hurt and didn't play it's really gritty kind of hard-hitting stuff that was on it looks at either hbo mm-hmm. or showtime i can't remember which one yeah and my Montreal was featured in one of these one year, and Max Pacioretty, when he was playing for Montreal, was in this. And he just seemed like a really good guy, good family man, guy that's easy to root for, and he's a great player. So that's kind of the tangent there. But he was traded for Nick Suzuki um, to Vegas, so they swapped, and now they play each other in the in the in the the semifinals. Suzuki has a great series, and you're looking like you know, obviously one series doesn't make or break any trade, I don't think, but 
going, you know, looking back at it, you think, man, this guy was a It's contributor. a direct comparison. I mean, like, it, yeah. any direct comparison really makes you look back and go, hmm. It's hard to blame one guy or put anything on one guy for anything that happens in a hockey series, much less, you know, a hockey season. But it's just an interesting look back through the history, and you think, man, this was kind of a, you know, this was a big trade just a few years back for, for Patrick to send him to Vegas to give Vegas that, that much-needed punch. Um, you know that what they would eventually build their their Stanley Cup final run off of in their subsequent playoff appearances, and now you get a chance to see these two on the ice at the same time when you know the stakes are almost as high as they get. And Suzuki plays an exceptional series, and Montreal wins it in seven. So, um, you know, again, it's not one guy. It's not because of Pacioretty. It's not because of Suzuki that this result happened. It's just an interesting way to look back at it because you so rarely get a chance to see, um, especially when it's cross conference. You don't get to see that unless it's in the cup final, except for in years like this. So it's kind of a fun look back at that trade and see, you know, the consequences of what has happened. But it's not like Vegas is upset about it. I mean, they would have liked the Stanley Cup, but they've only seen tremendous success since they've been in the league. So it's not like they're hurting. It's just, again, it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. As I look at Tampa or uh, Tampa Bay, the New York Islanders, I I was pretty heartbroken. Like we had a seven game series. It was so fun. Uh, like we had the last game ever in that building they play in uh, on Long Island. Uh, yeah, they had the, the call, last game the ever in Nassau Coliseum. Yep. Yeah, and the last game ever, game six was a win at home for the New York Islanders. That's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. they lost in seven, uh, and it was a that was a phenomenal series. Only one of the games went to overtime, but it was like I, I just going se- anytime a series goes seven, it's incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised. It was the Tampa Bay Lightning there that we've talked a lot about how they kind of found a way to beat the salary cap and. Uh, they got Steven Stamkos and a couple other people. And I, I was just my my initial reaction was I'm so upset that the Islanders didn't move on. I wanted to see them win a title or just go to a title game, a title series. And uh, what are your initial thoughts? Just gut reaction to what happened. The Islanders gave it all they had, man. Like this was they they shouldn't feel, you know, they shouldn't feel bad about anything that they've done. They ran into a great team and they ran into a great goaltender, and that's what's going to happen. They just couldn't quite. They weren't as opportunistic as they'd been in the postseason to this point. That's kind of what I've referred to them as, is they're, they're an opportunistic team. They take advantage of everything. They're stout defensively, um, and they work hard. And that's kind of the team identity. And that's a very Barry Trotz thing. He's their, their, their man behind the bench, their head coach. And that's kind of um, the cornerstones of what he builds teams off of, is this, this being defensively responsible and working hard and making the, the fundamental play and um, you know, playing really strong, quality hockey. And that's what the Islanders have done uh, to this point. They just ran into a team with too much firepower and too much help, um, you know, on all all 200 feet of the ice from their goaltending all the way on up, um, and that was you know nothing I think showed that quite as well as that game five did when Tampa wins eight to nothing, and that was the most lopsided game of the postseason. Um, I, I would assume I I think that was I couldn't I don't know of any other yeah games that well it still in, stood in out as like wow. it still stood out as like and it was game five too right so it's this a beat is, down. So going into that game, we're tied at two, you know, and it's a best of three at this point. Going into game five, tied at two, who knows what happens. And then Tampa comes out and just they they score early and they never look back. And credit the Islanders for coming back game six and taking, you know, a gritty overtime win to, to take it to seven. But that game five, although we hadn't quite seen it the same way to that point, a little bit in game two when it ended 4-2 Tampa, uh, but nothing quite till that game five had we seen Tampa really just, like, flex the way that they – um, the way that they can and did in that game in that series. And that's that to me after that, even though it went to seven, 
it I was and obviously you know a team wins game five you think okay crazy you think they're gonna win you know one of the next two what a hot take so it's not to say that like you know I was some genius for saying that or thinking that but after that eight nothing beat down game five I was it it really seemed like this was Tampa's Tampa's to 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 lose I just thought that that was gonna propel them with the confidence and feeling good about yourself that you put that kind of a beat down on a team in game five well and then I would assume they're gonna win the finals I mean I I Montreal think, is a right? great story, you and think, and right, Montreal but... keeps overcoming over and over and over again. But I, I would imagine Tampa Bay wins the whole thing again, back to back. I guess because they won last year too. Yeah, they did, and that's you know, and that's this is what I think kind of gets lost in how crazy this postseason has been. In that you have Tampa, who's got a largely unchanged roster from from last year. It's not that crazy that they're here. You know, the regular season wasn't as great as it could have been. We know a huge reason why that is. Um, but I think they kind of got into that thing that a lot of championship teams do where the regular season starts to matter a little bit less. This is a team in Tampa Bay that's been successful for the past decade. I mean, they've they they've made several deep postseason runs and nothing, you know, quite the same as last year where they win it all. This is a team that knows that it matters the absolute most when you get into the spring and summer. So, you know, you look at Tampa Bay throughout the season and it's, you know, they're maybe not quite the same, not quite as consistent or not winning the same way they were last year. I was never one of the people who was extremely worried about them. I had a feeling that when we got into this point of the season, it was going to really take off for them. Sure enough, it has. And, um, you know, Point and Kucherov have been stupendous. And Kucherov, obviously, they missed in the regular season. We've talked at large about that. It shouldn't be that surprising that they're here, and it won't be that surprising if they win the whole thing because this is ultimately, at the end of the day, just a really, really, really good hockey team that's incredibly deep, very well coached, very experienced, very skilled. And when you run into that, you're going to have a hard time no matter who you are. And that's why, you know, despite what's happened the past three rounds over on the west side with Montreal, I have to pick Tampa here. I just, I, just because, just because this has happened before in this same fashion with Montreal, they've beat teams that I didn't think they were going to beat or that people didn't think they would have beat. You have to look at everything I just, I just went over and I don't see how, you know, short of the great story, short of some momentum, I don't see a lot of on ice ways that uh that Montreal can win but who knows you know I hope that we're back here in in a couple of weeks and and I look dumb because that would mean that there's a really cool Cinderella story that finished off so that's what I'm rooting for yeah unfortunately story doesn't win titles it doesn't I I, I would love that to be the case and I by the way I've watched pretty sparsely I've been off and on I watch game six I watch game seven I watch game five uh game six of the the uh Montreal series I watched five or six and seven of the um Islanders uh, Lightning series. I I'm really excited. Monday night. Uh, well, this will come out Monday morning. So uh, Monday night is Game One at in Tampa, and I'm gonna watch every game of the series. I hopefully we'll be texting back and forth. I'm really like Absolutely. all in. It feels so much more manageable to have one series rather than two to watch and you yeah. keep track of it at the same time. But I I like can't wait. I, mean, I think it'd be really interesting. It and really the question is, can Montreal, this massive underdog even make it interesting I, I think we're at the the question they gotta show first of all they're gonna keep it interesting and then by game three if it's like two to one or whatever if it's actually close then we can go okay now we've got a series going but before we talk about Montreal winning Montreal has to show that they can at least make it interesting I think they've got goaltending that's gonna make it that's gonna be able to make it interesting they've got Terry Price mm-hmm. who I've said on this show before and I believe it that uh that Connor Hellebuck is is the the goalie that if you're choosing to start a team with a goalie you choose him but right now, in terms of who's playing the best, it is Carey Price. He's playing. I mean, it's just been 
you know it's yeah. been absurd because and hellebuck was playing at the same level for you know for a round and a half too but Kerry price has now done it for three long rounds uh, i guess two long rounds and a sweep but he's done it yeah. for you know uh, an extended period of time he's looking absolutely amazing he looks like Kerry price of old that's a, and that's the kind of guy that's the quality of goaltender that you only got to win four games and and a, and a goalie like that can win you four games so that's you know for as uh, for all the hand wringing that we do about Tampa and how good they are in this roster and they're well coached and all this and that, ultimately if if Price keeps playing the way that he has been, there's no reason that this this Montreal team ta- team can't win four and seven. It it absolutely can happen, and I hope we see it. This is a guy like I said before that that are, that, that deserves it, and um, you know, like I said, I hope we I hope we I hope we see it. Would you give Carey Price the MVP of the playoffs so far till this point? If they win. I would give it to him, and this is a, this is a Montreal team that's played a very strong team game. They get contributions up and down the roster, uh, and on ways that the stat sheet doesn't reflect. Always, they have guys that hustle, they have guys that hit, they have guys that make those those off the box score plays, and that's part of what's gotten them here. So, if you're going to pick a, a an MVP coming out of Montreal, it would be Carey Price. I think my MVP right now, funny enough as it is for this postseason is probably Nikita Kucherov in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, who'd have, who'd have thunk that when you take six months off and you come into the postseason fresh, you're going to play really, really well? Uh, he's dominated play. He's he, he's His presence is felt so strongly every time he touches the ice. He's got 27 points in 18 games. I mean, so you're, a point and a half per game in the postseason is absurd. He's only got five goals, which is kind of interesting because he's kind of known as a goal scorer. He's like the sniper. Right now, that's been Braden Point, who has 14 goals in 18 games. He's almost a goal per game. That's just another – like, that's just an outrageous It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's such a crazy pace. But Kucherov has 22 assists, and those are kind of a chicken and an egg thing because they play on the, they play you know on the same line together. So if one guy's scoring a bunch of goals, one guy's probably going to have a bunch of assists too, right? But you'd think it would have been the opposite, whereas Point is like the, the assist man and, and Kucherov is burying all the goals. It's totally not been that way. Um, I don't think anybody in Tampa minds. Right now, I think it's gonna. It's either Kucherov or Point, and I would lean Kucherov. Even though Point has the goals, I think Kucherov is driving play more. Mm. Um, personally, he's got 17 cool. power play points, and that Tampa power play has been absolutely insane. And he's driving that again, like I said. So I, I think that's yeah. the guy that you look at as a playoff MVP right now. But if Montreal wins and they don't have one crazy breakout performance from one guy that merits it going to someone other than Price, I think it's Carey Price. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, in the NBA, you have right now Devin Booker is the leading scorer for the Phoenix Suns, but I would actually give their MVP to Chris Paul, who mm-hmm. is taking the ball off the court every time, creating opportunities. Like, just because you have better numbers doesn't necessarily mean you're more valuable. Is Missing Kucherov is why Tampa had such a rough regular season career. I mean, not quite the same level. I mean, rough is relative, but I was gonna, it's why I was they weren't say, as good I in the regular say, season. I was going to say, I wouldn't even say rough because it wasn't yeah. rough. Like, they, no. they, were, they were very good. Like, that's the crazy <laughs> yeah. part of all this, right? Is like, even after all of this, you look at Tampa, they, they made the playoffs comfortably. Like, they, so they were third in the Central, the Discover Central yeah. version, Discover card, shout out. Um, Nashville was fourth, and they were nine points back. And they were like five wins back on Tampa. So Tampa very, very comfortably took third in their division and challenged for fourth, and even challenged for fifth. They're only five points back on first in the division. So it's not like this was a team that had a, a rough go of it. They clearly, like I said, I think suffered from not having who I think is their best player, which is, you know, and you don't have your best player. You have 75 points. You come third in your division. That's absurd. <laughs> but 
they don't have their best player. And again, I think that there's, you know, this likelihood of coasting that you do when you know you're going to make the postseason, you know, you're going to have your guy back and you know that you won it last year. I think it's just hard to get up for game 49 or I guess game 37 or something like middle, like, uh, like a Wednesday night game in freezing Minnesota when you know you're going to make the postseason. It's just hard to get up for. I think that's kind of their deal. But I was not, like I said, I was never worried. Um, they deserve to be here. And I think that 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 break so to say that they've taken both Kucherov and the team itself has definitely helped them well also the Warriors went like 72 and 9 or 71 and 9 whatever it was and you know didn't win a title so yeah so they're yeah so they 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 realized I'm sure Tampa realized after winning a title hey we don't have to go quite as hard during the regular season we can take care of our bodies there's no urgency mid-season when we know that what really matters is getting into the playoffs and once we're in then we got to win but I, it, coasting makes total sense if you've already gotten a title. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, actually, because Tampa actually did like a similar thing where it was the 2018-19 season, and Tampa actually f- tied the 95-96 Red Wings, which was like a whole other story. That was before the, the salary cap existed in the NHL, and Detroit bought this super team um, <laughs> in the mid-'90s. And, uh, and Tampa in 1819 actually tied their win count. So Tampa mm-hmm. in 1819 had this like iconic all-time amazing tremendous season. They finished one seed um, handily. They played this Columbus Blue Jackets team that made the playoffs in their second to last game. Tampa Bay won the President's Trophy, which is a regular season champion obviously, and they'd beaten Columbus in all three regular season games by these crazy margins. And uh, and Columbus swept them. <laughs> Well, look at the Colorado so, Avalanche. They won the President's Trophy too, and they're yeah. not here. It was it was more the example that you said. I think it's really, it's it, you use the Warriors, but and that's a very poignant example. But there's an even better one, and that this Tampa team looked a lot like that Warriors team. It looked a lot like this, yeah, w- like one of the best teams we've seen in decades. Both those teams were, and you know while the Warriors ended up making the finals and it took seven to beat them, Tampa you know gets swept in the first. You're still not walking with the title no matter how you look at it. So you make a good point. You don't have to go balls to the wall in the regular season if you know that you've got the stuff in the postseason to that it, you know that, that where you finish doesn't quite matter. I'm sure the Tampa's learned from that. They see you know a lot of those guys in that 18-19 team are still there. So while it's really awesome to win a President's Trophy and to have this you know historic season, I'm sure all those guys would have liked to have hoisted the cup more. And now they're gonna they're in a very good position to do that. And I think a lot of that's because of. Um, some of the, the the tribulations that they went through in that in that 2019 postseason series. Montreal's goalie Carey Price is kind of the we think it's the most important factor for them if they're going to somehow find yeah. a way to beat Tampa. Is there anything else Montreal can or needs to do to beat Tampa? They're going to need to continue to get um, production out of their depth guys. They're going to need to continue to get guys on their second, third, fourth lines. Um, taking care of business. Cole Caulfield's been tremendous. We talked about him a little bit. He's going to have to turn it up again because he's going to have, um, you know, he's going to have his toughest test. I would say the postseason so far in terms of just what they're going to throw at him. Tampa is on like an X's and O's perspective to keep him grounded. Tampa plays with a lot more speed. They kind of play in that similar way where a lot of what we saw with Montreal, who's you know they they utilize their younger, speedier, more fleet of foot guys in in kind of fun ways. Tampa's more equipped, I think, to be able to take care of that. 
So they're going to have to figure out ways to get those guys in space and get them, you know, being effective in perhaps a different way than they did with Vegas. But it's just going to be it's going to be con- contributions from all four lines and from all three pairs of defensemen because Tampa's going to do that because Tampa has uh, twelve forwards and six defensemen who are going to go out there and play very very well, and Montreal needs to match that. So there's not I don't you know it's kind of a boring answer right? There's not one thing I can't say. There's one player. There's one this. There's one that. They just need to get contributions from everybody. They can't lean on one guy. They can't lean on Toffoli. They can't lean mm-hmm. on Caulfield. Uh, they can't lean on Petrie. It's going to have to be all hands on deck, working hard, doing the little things, um, clearing pucks, you know, getting shots on the net, taking care of screens, just the little gritty stuff you hear about. It's kind of a meme at this point in the hockey community. It's, you know, it's doing the little things. It's making the tough play, but that's really what it's going to have to be because you're not going to outskill this Tampa team. You have to outwork them. Well, that's how the Canadians have gotten here to this point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've played so well together as a team. It's not been exactly. one person. It's been the group playing well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt. And it's going to have to continue. They're going to have to ramp that up. Um, you know, to the nth degree to keep that, you know, to keep that alive because, again, it's just, it's, you're going to have a really hard time out talenting this Tampa team. So it's going to have to be this thing where we like out cohesive them and we outwork them, which again yeah. is like a super stereotypical sports trope, but it's that way for a reason. And it's a thing, though. It's it a ma- thing. Like, yeah. It, I think Kevin Durant said it, right? Like, it's, it's, it's hard work, you know, hard, hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. It's the same deal. And I don't think Tampa's going to do that. I think Vegas was a little guilty of that, to be honest. I think Vegas laid down a little bit at times. And I think that's, you know, I think that that's a team that's been so used to success as a team that they almost forget what, uh, what, what struggle is sometimes, even though they haven't won at all. They've, yeah. they've just walked to all these postseason successes that they've had at this point that you almost forget what, what it's like. And I think that, uh, that, they, that they tasted some of that. Yeah, that series. Vegas game six was embarrassing, was I one. thought. And that was the one. It's that like, was the oh. one. It's like, you're this team that's supposed to win. You've got cup, you know. You got visions for the cup. You are a real contender. It's game six. You got a chance to, you know, to 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 shut this down, and and you lose four to nothing. And it was just an embarrassing effort. Guys just weren't moving their feet. Montreal looked like they wanted to be there. Montreal was working a lot harder. Vegas looked pretty apathetic in that game. And uh, and you know what are you gonna do? I sat down to watch a game, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Like I, I thought the Golden Knights were gonna at least push a game seven. Nothing. It was a dud. I was like, why did I waste my night watching this stupid game? I was like, ah. Um, I think we're in agreement, right? We both, I think Tampa's going to win. It seems like you think Tampa's going to win. How many games do you think it will take for Tampa to beat Montreal? I think a gentleman's sweep. Is that possible? Maybe six games? I think six. I think six. And I actually want to make I, I want to, I want to correct myself um, because that, that, that Montreal for the 4-1 um, when was actually game five, not game six. Game six was the overtime where they where they when they won the series. I just I it was game five to correct that. But yes, going back to your question, uh, I think six. I think there's going to be a couple of games where Price like steals it, and it's going to be the shot count is going to be like you know thirty seven twenty one in favor of Tampa. But it's like a two one Montreal win, probably like in overtime or something like that, where where Carey steals a couple of games. There's going to be something like that. I think you're what you're oh, not going right. to see out of what you're not going to see so out sorry. of Tampa. It's all good. You're fine. What's, uh, yeah, what you're not going to see out of Tampa, I think, in Vasilevsky is like handing somebody a goal with a with a minute and a half left in a game that you're that you're winning. Uh, that's kind of the. You can ask a lot of Pittsburgh Penguins fans, especially from like 2012 to 2014. Um, you know what Flurry is capable of in the postseason for the other team, and we saw we saw it on display there in that game three. Uh, Tampa's not going to make mistakes like that, I don't think. So Montreal's going to have to come. Like, so they're going to have to come correct, and I think they can do it. I think this is going to be their toughest task yet. Um, 
and that's that's all we can say. I think it's uh, I'm I'm rooting for Montreal because I think that story would be really cool. Even though as you know, as much as I love to jab Canadian hockey fans about Canada not having won a Stanley Cup, I think the Cinderella story usurps that to an extent. So I'd love to see it for Montreal. But as I've said for you know three podcasts now, I I don't see it. Yeah, I just looked. You're right. It was Game Five. I I don't know what I'm thinking. I remember just watching, going like, "What? What's? Ha-? I remember watching, going, the effort isn't there, which is such a lame thing to say for someone. I feel like an outsider with hockey, but I remember just being not impressed with the Golden Knights' effort and what they had to bring to the table. I guess it's Game Five, right? Four to one. Um, uh, yeah, I I think we both agree. I guess I should have listened more to what you're saying. I was so distracted with my what I got wrong because uh, I know. Um, it's all good. It's no, all good. Anyway, yeah. No, so you I, think I you think, think that- six games. I think six games. I think six is a comfortable place to put it. I think, uh, um, I think that it's just going to be too much for for Montreal. I think that that Tampa has far too much postseason experience. Tampa, or rather Montreal, has killed thirty consecutive penalties, which is this outrageous number that they've managed to like Vegas's power play. And that's then that's like as far as an X's and O's thing. That's a huge reason why Vegas couldn't take that series is because they were absolutely anemic on the power play. They could not mm. take advantage of, of, of their special teams working. And I mentioned it, I think, in our first episode doing this together, that, that uh, special teams, your power play, is such a hugely important thing in the postseason because goals are so hard to come by. And if you can get those chances to get goals on the main advantage, you have to cash in. And Vegas just did not do that. Their, their power play performance was very, very poor. Uh, Montreal has, like I said, killed 30 straight penalties. If Montreal can continue to win the, the special teams... They're going to give themselves a real shot. Um, Tampa's will power they? Plays, then that's, Tampa's good. And that's the hard part. Tampa is very good. Tampa's power play is like 38% or something insane like that. It's very, very good. That would win. If, if 38% over the course of a whole season, now granted sample sizes are a thing I recognize that, but 38% over the course of a whole season would be an all-time great power play. So mm-hmm. they're scoring on the man advantage at obscene rates. Montreal is shutting that down at a similar level. Um, the special teams are going to matter a lot. And especially in the cup final and in the deep playoff environments, um, officiating tends to get a little bit a little bit more loose. We see refs swallow the whistle. We see a lot more contact. So I think we're going to see a lot fewer penalties given out. So when they are given out, these teams that are the, the teams are going to have to to do their best to convert. And I think that that's where Tampa wins out. I think that Montreal, as good as they've been on the power play or on the penalty kill, rather. Um, I think Tampa's just a little bit too much. I don't think that Tampa continues to perform at this like 40% level that they're almost at, and I don't think Montreal continues to kill 30 straight penalties. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, and where that skews uh, I think is going to be a huge determining factor of of who takes the series home. Well, I walked away from this conversation feeling like, hey, we got watch power plays. That'll play a factor somehow. How well does Carey Price do? Uh, Can Tampa win in six? How long does it take them to beat Montreal can Montreal play together? That that's another big factor. Is there that's four things? Games six games maybe. Can Montreal was, play together? How does power plays work? And how does Carey Price do? Is there anything else? Any other factors I should look for during this series? I think that's a good place if you're, especially if you're, a, if you're kind of a hockey layman. I think that's a good place to start. If you're, you know, uh, we see it a lot on sportscasts. You know, the, the keys to the game, or you know, this or that. Three or four points. I think you've got them right there. It's special teams. It's Montreal's depth production, and it's Carey Price. Yeah. Awesome, man. Any other thoughts you want to talk about? 
man, I almost want to, I, I, I just have, this is so fun. I want to just keep discussing stuff. But <laughs> the, the, the fight question that we, that we went on a tangent about last week was really the only like pressing, um, yeah. hockey. I have a follow up thought there. For, okay. Yeah. Let's so talk I, about I think it. I said, I think it's very middle America. I think if I could go back, the word I would use is blue collar. I'm a blue okay. collar guy. Like I, I worked yep. my ass off. At, I worked at a car wash for four years and I, I worked seven days a week. And I, I, I think fighting to, to re kind of say in a better way, what I said last episode is fighting in hockey, isn't going to push out any new fan base. The people that are interested in hockey are blue collar people. They're not soft. They're not afraid. No I one's going to go. Fair, yeah. Oh, he's got blood. I was and watching some elimination game. Blue collar people, yeah. they respect blue collar habits. Yeah. I, so I can't remember I, what game I was watching, but I remember the, some team won, and the captain had blood all over his face, and I was like, and he was like high fiving everybody as they walked off the court. He's the was, last guy to leave. It was Corey Perry, who's not a captain or not the captain of Montreal. He might wear an A. He might be an alternate captain, but it's Corey yeah. Perry who uh, who had taken a high stick, an uncalled high stick. Uh, it opened up his nose real good. He had to go back to the locker room and get zipped up. And uh, before he had returned to the bench, Montreal had won the game. It was an overtime game. I believe it was game yes. three. I watched I watched the last like 20 minutes of that game, and I remember the whole team is – all of Montreal is walking off. He's the last guy. He high-fived everybody as they left, and he's got blood all over his face. And I'm like, that's a warrior. I love that. Yeah. I hate soccer. This is awesome. Like I just had this moment. I'm like, this is why hockey's great. That moment. Yeah, he like he was mid getting treatment for getting a stick in the in the face and yeah for, and and man it's getting a stick in the face like it's never happened to me personally but I've been around it and it's uh it's not fun you think it's like just you know this stick how's it gonna be you know how's it gonna open you up like that it might hurt it might leave a bruise but what the pain he was feeling in that moment or maybe after the game maybe not in that moment but but immediately after was so severe and he just it. Just it all washes away because his team won an overtime game and took a two-one series lead. That was game three. That was the flurry game. Um, he gets hurt, I believe, right before overtime or maybe at the start of overtime is when he had gotten that stick. And then uh, Montreal wins that game and he storms out of the locker room with still like you're describing blood running down the left side of his face and he's high-fiving and congratulating everybody. He it was so pumped and that's hockey in a nutshell right there, right? Like that's exactly what you're describing, but. Yeah, no, I think the the blue collar thing you've got you've, you've you've made a point there because this is a game where guys like that can survive. Um, in hockey, you don't need to be seven feet tall. You don't need to be absurdly athletic. Um, this is a this is an, a sport that physically, when it comes to like your own, like, you know, your genetics, your your physical makeup, I think is quite accessible, and that is made so by the fact that if you are someone who works really, really hard and doesn't care as much about stats and is willing to grind and is willing to get dirty and do the hard stuff and get hurt every now and again, not even fighting, just blocking shots or hitting guys or being in front of the net, you know, setting screens. This is a game where you can survive all the way up to the NHL just by making plays like that. It's very accessible to guys who are willing to do the dirty work like that. And I think that that's kind of that encompasses fighting to an extent that a lot of guys make their careers off of doing dirty work like fighting and blocking shots and hitting and being in front of the net, being a big body. This is an accessible game for people who want to do hard work like that. And, and fighting's part of it. Here's what I'm excited about for the NHL Stanley Cup Finals is I, I've been catching games here and there th throughout the entire playoffs, but I haven't sat down to watch an entire series 
through and through. I've just been yeah. – people know I'm moving literally across the ocean. Uh, the NBA has been – like, I got to cover that. I make more money covering that. But I, I'm really excited because I'm going to give the Stanley Cup Finals my full attention. I'm going to watch game one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, hopefully seven if we get there. Uh, and I think that next time we talk – we're gonna. I'm gonna have so much more to say, and we'll share these exciting moments and this and that. I'm gonna take detailed notes, and I, I really, look for, yeah, I look, I, I, I want to do that. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. I wanna. I think that because there's only one series, because it's not a bunch of, it's not as much game like game watching for you and yeah. for me, frankly. Um, I think that instead of talking about the story, because that'll be easy to get kind of in, into the nitty gritty of off the bat, I want to actually go through and talk about what happened on the ice. Like I want to, yeah. like, I want to do like a, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll be right there with you. I'll be taking notes. I'll give timestamps. I want to actually talk about the games and what happened. Um, and, and moments. And, we can let the, and moments, exactly. And we can let the story kind of play out how it will, whether that is Montreal, whether that's Tampa, because they're both playing for something really significant, a back-to-back championship versus a Cinderella story. There's both. You know, there's a lot of significance there in the storylines. So we can let that settle as it is. But I'm looking forward to getting back here and talking about what happened between the lines um, for 60-plus minutes a game over the course of that series. When I think we're going to have... To talk about five, six, maybe seven games for an hour and a half, it's going to be hard to do, actually, because when, when I, I don't know, but I, I take very detailed notes and it's like, we're going to yeah. be like, can you believe this? Can you believe that? And we'll text each other as we go and we'll be like, it'll be bottled up this energy we want to share. Yeah, yeah. So I, I honestly, I, I think that'll be probably because to talk about one series for that amount for a whole show, that'll be fun. And that's what I look forward to. I think the next episode we do about the NHL is going to be so much fun. I just can't wait for it. We can get into the weeds, and that's what's fun for for people like me is we can really, you know, we can we can spend uh, a real amount of time like getting into the nitty gritty about what happened, and that's that's what's exciting for me. So I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to watch this series. Uh, by this time tomorrow, we're going to have some serious answers because the game will be over or almost over. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Awesome, Austin, you're the man. Uh, we will watch tomorrow. It's 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 Monday morning for you guys out there. Uh, until then, uh, have a great day. You guys are awesome. I love you. And I think that's all we have, right, Austin? I think that's that's the show. That is the show. Um, uh, un, uh, Uncaged Pod, episode one of our Dustin Pori documentary went up last week. Uh, as I'm recording this right now, Sunday night, our unbelievable interview with Ensign Inouye and his life as a member of the Yakuza and as an MMA fighter, he detailed that for us. We had a great conversation with Ensign. And then we've got a conversation going up on Monday uh, when you listen to this with uh, New England cartel coach Tyson Chartier. He was an awesome guy. We were allowed to talk to him too. So lots of stuff going up on the feed um, over on the Uncaged Pod. And, and to be clear, Austin, send me a link to both. I'll make them the yes. pinned comment under this podcast on YouTube. Thank you, Zach. Wonderful. Awesome. Love you guys. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.